This isn't just any diminishing returns. This is Valentine's diminishing returns. <laughs> What's sexy? What's a sexy voice? Just speak the same, but get more breathy. Alan, add some breath to your voice. <laughs> Why have you gone effeminate with that? Can you not do a masculine breathy voice? Nah. <laughs> no, I Actually. don't know how. <laughs> Can you show me how such a thing would be doable? Hello! Welcome to Valentine's Day Special! <laughs> I realise that this is actually, this is sort of how Mark Gatiss speaks, isn't Happy, happy Valentine's, 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 happy, happy Valentine's, it's a day for loving. That's right, it is currently 16 days before Valentine's Day, <laughs> as we record, so obviously it's very sexy uh, in, in the studio. <laughs> it is our Valentine's special, and in a grand tradition of this podcast... Uh, we've done a Valentine's special every year, or a, what we like to uh, call a sexy special. It's not about love, it's about sex. Mm. And that's why we've covered the uh, <laughs> Fifty Shades of Grey films over the last few years. We did one a year. But the the thing about a trilogy is there's only three of them. Uh, menage a trois of films. Yeah. Uh, the, uh, the, but the basic idea was that the films had so little merit and, and so little to talk about once you've slagged them off that we just talked about sex instead. We This year we did something different. We put it up to our Patreon supporters. We gave them a, a vote on what they wanted to do, what sexy film they wanted to do. They kind of missed the point. Uh, they picked a good film. <laughs> <laughs> did they, though? But, you know, ooh, well... Controversial oh. spoiler alert. <laughs> um, so yes, uh, our Patreons chose Boogie Nights, the uh, sort of career maker of Paul Thomas Anderson. And keep on dancing, keep on dancing. <laughs> what what were other options that were on the table? What got the second most votes? Do you know? Well, I'll tell you. Joint third in in the vote was uh, Orgasmo, which would have been fun. That been Although funny. that's also arguably a good film. Tied with Showgirls, which I think is a sort of Ooh, trash we probably should be doing. I've never seen it. Tied with Nymphomaniac Volume 1, which I've never seen. I can't comment, but I do think it's quite explicit. Uh, second place was Debbie Does Dallas, which I think we should have done, ah. really. A, a, a porn film. We haven't done an actual porn film yet. Mm-hmm. If you're interested in, in casting your vote on, on episodes that we cover, uh, head over to Patreon forward slash patreon.com forward slash dim returns because uh, we are currently taking votes for our easter special our sort of religious themed uh <laughs> film it's actually it is legitimately neck and neck at the minute between god's not dead three and life of brian which is a similar situation Ooh. it's it's a, a question of do we do something shit and laugh about it or something like an actual classic and talk about it properly mm-hmm. so have your say at Patreon.com forward slash dim returns. All right. So uh, let's deal with our 
film choice. Uh, this is the first time we've had a full proper episode dedicated to a Paul Thomas Anderson film. We have dealt with Phantom Thread in a previous Oscars special. Yes, I, I would say that Boogie Nights is probably Paul Thomas Anderson's most mainstream accessible film. You could probably make an argument for uh, Magnolia, but I think... As being accessible. Yeah, to the mainstream, do you not think? No. Out of all of his films, what would you go with? There will be blood. You're having a laugh. <laughs> Punch Drunk Love I've not seen, to be fair. Maybe that's the one yeah, with Adam probably, Sandler. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's one, do you know what? I was thinking this uh, while I was watching the film. Obviously, I've seen most of Paul Thomas Anderson's films, and um, I don't be quite sure how I feel about it. But I think I, what, what occurred to me while I was watching this was I've never really looked at them as a whole, like as a career, as a, as a kind of piece of work, and sort of what that tells you about the, the person behind them. I think it'd be very interesting to do all his films. <sighs> <laughs> I, I, I think, in broad strokes, I think that my opinion of him is he's not the master author that he's made out to be. I, I don't think he has nearly the uh, perfect grasp on what he's doing that he's often made out to have. Um, I, I think a lot of his films are incredibly well made, if perhaps dull, but I think a lot of them are actually just quite meandering and yeah, nonsensical. I, I think my my major problem, and again, this is something I've kind of been thinking about after watching the film, I think I find it all a little bit superficial. Like, there's, no, there's not quite enough yeah. depth to it. It is quite, it's deliberately quite meandering and experiential. It's all usually ensemble stuff. So it's not, you're not really supposed to really get down and dirty with this character. It's just sort of like, here's things that are happening and mm. I get that as a style. I, I'm okay with that. And I actually quite like that sort of stuff sometimes. But I think it's it needs to be saying something deeper, if, even mm. if the characters aren't doing anything specific. Mm. I think you're right. I think that's why I, I come close to being completely and utterly in love with his films and never quite get there. Yeah. Like, like The Master was so on the brink of being something I'd, I'd be completely in love with, but just not quite... There Will Be Blood has has scenes in it oh, yeah. that are up there with my favourite scenes in film history, but mm. as a as an overall film, maybe not so much. I mean, I'll, I'll say it now. I, I think Boogie Nights is by far and away my favourite of his films. Mm -hmm. But that's what I think. I think he he does have quite a style. I think he is quite an auteur yeah. uh, feel to it. When you watch his film, you know it's a Paul Thomas Anderson film. Yeah. I, I mean, I definitely for me, Paul Thomas Anderson. It's a, films that I don't revisit. I, I, it occurred to me when I was watching Boogie Nights. Yeah. I haven't seen this film for. I mean, I don't know. It must be ten years at least. I've only ever seen uh, There Will Be Blood once. I've only seen. I saw Magnolia about fifteen years ago and have never revisited it. Yeah. So that's. I think yeah. that's why I was kind of saying I'd, I'd like to go through his films and watch them all again and, and sort of yeah. get a, get a good grasp on what he is. Well, I, I'm very similar, actually. Uh, Boogie Nights was a film that I first watched when I was sort of getting into film as a as a teenager, and I think it was the presence of a few porn stars, uh, real life porn stars, <laughs> that tick like clued me off to the fact that it existed. But anyway, um, it's a film that I watched once a long time ago and haven't revisited, even though I I had it in my head as you know 
you must revisit this film because it's probably going to be a hell of a lot better on a rewatch now that you're more yeah. um, aware of of film and how it works and all that. And I, I, I do this a lot where I kind of assume that I'll appreciate something that I maybe didn't appreciate to the fullest degree when I was younger. And, and mm. then almost inevitably when I go back to it, it's like, oh no, I was pretty spot on. <laughs> Maybe I couldn't articulate the reasons why I felt that way, but I still feel the same way. Um, I mean, having said that, I do like Boogie Nights. Yeah, I think we're being a little bit negative, aren't we? Yeah. Uh, I think Calvin brought that on to us. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I suppose we'll get into it as we talk more about the film. I came to it having... I I knew that Mark Wahlberg and Burt Reynolds were in it, and Mark Wahlberg was a porn star with a big dick and i'd seen a clip of it before it's the clip that's sort of like halfway through the film where burt reynolds gets mark Wahlberg to get his dick out for this other producer to prove how big it is that's all i knew about the film Mm. so i i didn't watch a trailer or anything like that so i had no idea where this was gonna go i saw some clips of uh heather graham and julianne moore before i watched (laughs) the film as well Uh. (laughs) taken out of context (laughs) yeah there isn't much of a story, really. Um, it's kind of like a, a rise and fall and back to the beginning again sort of story yeah. about a group of people making pornographic films in California in the late 70s, early 1980s. It's annoying because it it, it really feels like it has a, a solid plot trajectory in mind for the first two-thirds. Yeah. Mm. And then it's somewhere in that last act you kind of think, Oh no, they they're just a series of events <laughs> one after mm. the other that don't really connect or anything. Uh. Oh, I was I was stunned when it ended. Like we'll we'll get to it, <laughs> I suppose, but it it just ends and uh yeah. yeah. I was quite I mean, I, dumbfounded. It, it, the obvious comparison is Robert Altman who who makes kind of these big ensemble films where n- nothing particularly happens, but you just sort of you just get dropped into this world and you experience it. That uh, comparison was I was just reading about Paul Thomas Anderson a little bit earlier, uh, mm. and apparently when uh, when they were making a Prairie Home Companion, which was Robert Altman's last film, Paul Thomas Anderson was the backup director in case Robert Altman died because oh, Robert really? Altman was so <laughs> old and you know he, he, he did die um, before the film was released. Oh. But uh, but um, for insurance purposes, they had to have a backup director. So I mean, he's the obvious choice. Um, but yeah, Altman is a, is an obvious comparison there, and I, I've never been convinced by Robert Altman either, to be honest with you. Uh, mm. But yeah, the, it, the the problem with this particular example is that it teases a storyline. It's like it like it, it feels like you are yeah. going to have a storyline, and then it never quite delivers. And there's all That's these it, that, yeah. ensemble elements, yeah. all these surrounding characters. The the stories they go through don't directly add anything, and certainly you can argue that it, it adds to the whole mood and, and feel and everything. But is is that enough? I mean, I think it appeals no. to a certain type of, of viewer, doesn't it? Who like kind of perhaps you're more arty, metaphorical kind of feeling films. Mm. Which I, I don't think I'd fall into, frankly. Well, I mean, I, I like the feel of the film. I, I like the illusion of uh, plot, I guess. It, you know, it, it's similar to um, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood to pluck yeah, out a, yeah. a contemporary, obvious example. But, it, you know, it, it kind of is just a series of 
uh, short films. Yeah, that I didn't are like loosely uh, connected. Once upon a time in Hollywood, either. So there we go. <laughs> yeah, and it, and it's just annoying because on their own, I I kind of love all of them. I kind of love all the scenes and what they're doing, but I just want them to be assembled into a bigger whole, a, a greater whole than they are. Uh, <laughs> I can give you a, I can give you a good sort of comparison piece here of, of train spotting. Um, I don't know if you've ever read the book, but it's it's essentially a collection of short stories that aren't, oh, really? aren't really connected. They kind of involve the same characters because it all sort of takes part in the same world. And there is some crossover between them, but essentially it's all just short stories. And then when they came to adapt it into a film, they really pulled out this one central character, Renton, played by Ewan McGregor, and gave him a, a, a linear narrative through it. But then you still have, you know, a side story about Begbie beating someone up in a pub, which is one of the chapters. There's a side story about Spud uh, shit in the bed, uh, which I think is actually Renton's character in the in the book. But, you know, it's like they have that as a side character. It's not really relevant, but it has enough of a linear narrative and these side stories add mm. enough that it works. Yeah. I'm using that as yeah. an example because that's a film that I really like. Where And here, mm. and, and I, again, I just want to say I did like this film because I'm sounding negative. You've got yeah, you've yeah. got these side stories of, for example, Don Cheadle's story, which doesn't really like, and and all these separate elements, like oh, he can't get a loan mm. because of his past, and then he just goes to a donut shop and like suddenly it's like oh, here's some money, uh, and like this kind of weird Deus Ex Machina kind of thing. But that that's like the opening, like. 20 minutes of a film you know yeah. that that's like the start mm. of an early quentin tarantino film but then yes. you have you know an hour of don Cheadle talking about movies and looking at what's the name's feet and it play <laughs> out in an obvious way and it's yeah it, it's annoying isn't it yeah and then you know the whole william h macy storyline um mm. which does give us a really Definite, oh, love that. definite center point where we we kind of go like everything was great and now everything's shit. There's like a very mm, distinct yeah. moment, which I think I I, I a, love his a bit on the subplot if you can if you can call it a subplot because uh, it really is just a three act joke. <laughs> it's like set up uh, body punchline, but it's not even that. Really. It's just. Punchline, punchline, punchline. Because his reaction, <laughs> like it's not the, the thing that's happening is exactly the same. It's just for one one day he snaps, you know. And there's no rule of three, and we have rule no idea anything about his character that makes us think, oh, why today is yeah. he snapped, you know? Mm. But I, but I love that because that is a, a beginning, middle, and end. You know, that is a storyline. His character has an arc, a rise, and a fall, and it, it's. It, I don't know if he has a rise. Um... <laughs> I think that might be the well, problem. Well, hey. Uh, he walks in on her having sex with some guy, and she is a, like a real porn star as well, the, the lady playing yes, his wife. Yes, Nina, Nina uh, and he walks in at home, she's having sex with someone. Ah, close the door, leave me alone. Kind of does the same thing again when she's out in a parking lot somewhere, someone's driveway, and then the third time he just kills her. Like, I don't know if that's much of a arc. It's an escalation. But it's, yeah, he he escalates. It's a plot though. It's but, a it's a beginning, middle, and end. Well, it isn't. It is it, that that's as much storyline as you get in Joker, and that's been nominated <laughs> for eleven Academy Awards. 
Mm. But that the problem with that is, like, <laughs> if it was like he knows she's cheating on him and he can kind of put it to the back of his mind, but then she does it in front of everyone and everyone knows and he's humiliated, maybe that would be the trigger point. But there's no mm. difference to what she's doing than what she's done before. So why now is he... And it's not even like it's obvious that he's drunk, particularly like he's out of control because it's New Year's and he's been drinking or something. I don't know. It just because he gave her a because like... he gave her a three strike rule, didn't he? <laughs> <laughs> he was like, "Look, if you do that two more times, I'm going to be really mad." Mm. Yeah, but that's. I mean, that's one example. And I read some things. Nina Hartley, right? Yeah, she's still working now. The pawn, the pl- his wife. And she was sort of in MILF territory back when she made this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, good eye. I mean, she, mm. She's, you know, she's a trooper. <laughs> mm. uh, we've talked already a little bit about William H. Macy. He's very much a supporting character. If there is a lead, and I think he is the lead here, it's Mark Wahlberg. Uh, yeah. Boy-faced Mark Wahlberg, um, who is spotted... By Burt Reynolds in a in a bar where he's working, and I just want to talk about that opening scene. It's very Goodfellas. It's all one take. It's swooping yeah, around yeah, a, a club. We're meeting all these different characters, and then it kind of settles down. And Burt Reynolds is making eyes at Mark Wahlberg across the room, and it's close ups, and they're both looking at each other. And Burt Reynolds doing his sort of come hither eyes. And I was watching it with my partner at the time, and he started counting down, like because they kept going back and forth, and he was like, three, two. One, because we were just like expecting, oh, well, the next cut is going to be them in bed together or making out. (laughs) It was just so like that was just what was being telegraphed. And then Burt Reynolds kind of goes in and checks out Mark Wahlberg. He's heard he's got a big penis and all that kind of stuff. Um, Well, it's a bit odd, isn't it? Like, I I was... Well, this is what I wanted to ask. Like, well, because, because this is Burt Reynolds, he's not going to accept playing a gay man. So I'm wondering if they're doing some kind of like Charlton Heston in Ben-Hur type of, uh, <laughs> oh yeah, but just look longingly at this point and we'll just, you know, we'll do it in editing, that's fine. It, it must be noted that Burt Reynolds is this kind of Hugh Hefner-esque kind of porn baron. Not Hugh Hefner, mm. actually, he's, he's not, he doesn't quite come across like that, but he is kind of in the world of porn and we never see him have sex or show any real interest in women at all. Uh, other than as uh, filming them, and I, I don't know. I, I, I know there's a real, very blatant homoerotic energy coming off of that character when he's, you know, dealing with Marky Mark. But mm. well, that's I don't know. It. I, I kind wondered of, if that was I, intentional. Do either of you guys know? I couldn't find anything in my um, research that indicated so. Well, but it's certainly honest, there in those first few scenes. I only really got it in that first scene, really. I, yeah, and it I, is because there's kind of this ambiguity where you don't know the character yet. And That's exactly he kind it. of yeah. he wanders over, and it's like, what has he just got? Like a sixth sense that this guy's got a big cock, like he can sniff it out. Like he's just like, yeah. I've, <laughs> I've noticed you around. But, that, but that's yeah. it. I I never took it as a gay thing so much as a this guy knows his industry. He can tell this guy is going to be good at having sex on camera. This is what his film <laughs> needs. Yeah. Mm. I I I know that they do very much play it with that homoerotic energy up front, but I think that is an intentional ambiguity where you're not quite sure what the character yeah, is. It's yet. a little bit of a fake. Marky out Mark right doesn't. Yeah, yeah. Marky Mark doesn't know if this mm. is like an old man coming on to him or not. And um, <laughs> yeah, that that's where I thought it was going until I yeah remembered that this is Burt Reynolds and he probably uh-huh. would not ever agree to do such things. Um, and he hated being in this film, apparently. Yeah. Well, yeah, but was was that the uh, 
homosexual undertones or was oh, it the, oh no 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 he, he just hates it was immoral from... <laughs> it was the sexual overtones <laughs> <laughs> he just never really understood like what it was really about and when he saw the final film he like apparently fired his agent and um i think like mm-hmm. you mentioned showgirls was an option in the poll for this uh that would that was a reason why a lot of people were very hesitant to sign on to this because that was a drama film about a cd industry and it really flopped and ruined some careers and yeah. people were nervous about that kind of thing happening and, here and which it's worth noting as well, Paul Thomas Anderson was born in 1970. That means he was 27 when this film came out. Like, he was young um, mm. and, mm. you know, relatively untested. He had done one sort of low-budget feature film before, which had done well enough, obviously. If you're Burt Reynolds and this fucking young kid's coming around like, I want to make you a play a porn baron, you're like, yeah, would you, would you trust him? <laughs> yeah, but it, it also was the the peak of that. Quentin Tarantino, young auteur, yeah, yeah. kind mm. of everyone's working with the hot new thing in Hollywood, yeah. kind of yeah, time and well, yeah, and it definitely mm. fell into that category, really. But yeah, I can see why Burt mm. Reynolds would be hesitant. Although I, I was reading mm. stuff how it, basically the two of them did not get on, uh, and so there mm. was a bit of friction on set, and there was mm. something Burt Reynolds uh, wrote basically saying like. You know, it was just this young kid, and every time, oh, wow, that was amazing, didn't that look great? And I'm like, uh, here's a list of films where they've done something similar. You're not, you're not special or original. <laughs> Which is a bit <laughs> like, yeah, that big first opening Brilliant. shot, and it's like, it's just Goodfellas, mate. <laughs> but it does it definitely sounds yeah. like, you know, it's an enthusiastic young director doing something, you know, visually hmm. interesting, and Bert Reynolds is just like a grumpy old man <laughs> telling him to shut up. Yeah. And and ironically, the, the high point critically of his career, perhaps, is only Academy Award nomination. For this. Yeah. And Mark Wahlberg's obviously his his whole character thing is that he's a plucky young guy who doesn't really have much in the way of uh, ambition, but he has a massive penis. And when he's scouted, he uses that to gain fame and fortune before losing it, and then sort of coming back to where he originally was. Um, and he's got a terrible mother. Like, she's horrible. That's Rachel's boss <laughs> from Friends, I noticed. Yeah. Uh, it is a film where literally you see everyone is a someone. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, that's a, a terrible dad as well. <laughs> oh, for yeah. Ju- for just yeah. awkwardly sitting by, pulling a sad face, but been, like doing nothing been about it. He's beaten down over the years, downtrodden. <laughs> yeah, there's that. That again yeah. is sort of like it's a whistle stop tour of this guy's life, isn't it? It's sort of like, oh, look, here's his shitty home life. That's why he's happy to walk away from it and 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 come into this other mm. life. I read something Paul Thomas Anderson saying that the film the film was about family and kind of finding your family, and even in this kind of in this world where you wouldn't expect people to have emotional closeness, they do, uh, and it's just not what you mm. would traditionally expect. And so obviously. The, the mirror of that is a loving family unit, which is actually quite abusive and horrible. But, yeah, is that it? Is, <laughs> again, that feels like that's sort of step one. Um, and then you and then you yeah, do something yeah. more with it. Because um, this is two and a half hours as well. Like, yeah. uh, mm, just mm. cut any one or two of these subplots and it would just be so much more, um, more streamlined. Uh, I, I must say, I, I don't feel the 
the running time with this one the way I do with most of Paul yeah. Thomas Anderson's films. Yeah. I, I think most of his films are a bit of a slog and you do really n- know that time is passing. Um, mm. <laughs> whereas with this one, you know, in, in the last act, I, I did sort of think, oh, I guess it has been going on a bit now, but it, it was quite a breezy watch uh, for yeah, me. Yeah, every, like, every scene is, is dynamic and, and drives forward. Yeah. Uh, so that's not the problem, but there are a few bits and pieces. Like there's one character who's she's it's a female and she's another one of the another one of the sort of regular porno stars there. And then she marries this guy, and we see her wedding, and it's like, what the fuck is this? Like, and then we don't even get any more of her character or anything. Well, do you do you know about the deleted scene? Um, involving that character. Oh, she been uh, obviously. Oh, well, re- obviously not. <laughs> but that's not. Well, it it, tu- it turns out. I thought that's what you might have been leading to because it. I have uh, it, uh her character. Um, her husband ended up sort of being abusive towards her. Uh, and so that was her because oh. everyone does kind of have a low point moment, and she doesn't. She just sort of gets married and then is off out of the film. I think I don't think she comes back. But that's yeah, exactly. If you if you decide to cut that out. Cut the other bits of her out. Doesn't matter. Yeah. Like that wedding scene is not necessarily the scene before where she meets him isn't necessary. Yeah. Yeah. I guess, I guess you were just talking about the whole um, surrogate family thing. And we haven't talked about Julianne Moore's character yet because her relationship with Mark Wahlberg, they both kind of fulfill some kind of void for each other. And I don't mean I, that was seriously no um, innuendo intended with that. <laughs> statement but uh mark Wahlberg obviously has a very difficult relationship with his mother julianne moore's character we see her trying to get on the phone to her son and there's a custody battle between her and her ex-husband and together they sort of come together as some kind of strange mother-son partnership but they still have sex with each other on and off the set actually a bit of a love it's not quite a love triangle but reynolds never seems too bothered uh julianne moore is his wife isn't she I don't know. I didn't get that specifically. I I kind of assumed that she was, but then as the film went on, I was like, oh, maybe she isn't. So I don't actually yeah. know. <laughs> I don't think so. I think she yeah, she fills that of... role in his life. It seems, and she seems to yeah. live there with him. And she's definitely the. I think by the end of it, I thought she wasn't actually. So yeah, I don't think it's ever mentioned specifically. But she's definitely the maternal figure to the group, whereas he is the paternal figure. Mm. So I mean, yeah, obviously it fills that. I could have sworn that at some point he says, "Oh, and this is my this is my wife." He introduces her as such, or maybe, maybe I'm just yeah imagining something. I used to really fancy Julianne Moore. I don't think that's a controversial statement, is it? No, I mean I you know I, I I'm not saying I don't anymore, but I think she's probably just about too old now, <laughs> like Michelle Pfeiffer when we she's, we spoke about this on that. Now is she fifty eight, fifty nine now? Sixty. Yeah. I think I I, mean, I don't know what she looks like nowadays. I'm just assuming she's probably not, probably a bit old now. I don't well, know. this was one of the films that kind of really made Julianne Moore a, a big name. Uh, this she did Jurassic Park two the same year as this, and uh, oh really? That was that same Psycho year? the year after, yeah. and, and um, Big Lebowski yeah. is the year after. I think. Yeah. But yeah, this and and she I'm was also already, a big fan um, of her acting. I I should say she's you oh, know. Yeah. Not just, not just a pretty face. <laughs> but she was like she was well into her thirties by the time she did this, and she sort of broke through into the mainstream. A bit of a late bloomer in that sense. Uh, so, but there, it, I mean, the cast in this is extraordinary. There's a lot of people. Oh God, a lot of people is outstanding. Kind of at 
early points in their career, relatively speaking, and Burt Reynolds. Um, your favourite soul is in here as well, John C. Riley. Mark Wahlberg. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I, Heather Graham's another another favourite. You know, an early. Oh yeah. An early uh, developmental celebrity crush of sorts. That one, but but yeah, John 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 C. Riley is probably my favourite working actor out of everyone. So yeah, mm. no exaggeration there. I love him, and he's he, great in this. He is I mean, great he's in not, this. Yeah, he's not doing any massively heavy lifting, but he's just a joy to watch, <laughs> have fun. But I, actually, I think um, the chemistry between him and Wahlberg is really important. Actually, and I think it's not. Yeah. It's not simply there in the script, you know, you need to be able to bring that to life. And I think they both yeah. have the right energy that does that. And they're obviously yeah. like just yeah, bouncing yeah, yeah. off each other. But mm. it really brings, it really, and if if we are talking about, uh, you know, Dirk Diggler as our central character, the one we're kind of trying to resonate with, yeah, it really I, brings I him to life. It makes, they, there's such a simplicity between them. Like they're both kind of you know, quite simple, but also like the way they interact with each other, it's quite childish. It's like, you know, when they first meet, it's like two 10 year old boys yeah. meeting for the first time and they're like trying <laughs> to outmatch each other and stuff. It's kind of sweet. Uh, and that's what makes it work, I think. And then you sort of see them fall into this depravity, but they're always kind of stick together. And then quite near the end, when they're running away from Alfred Molina, they get separated just sort of in the melee of what happens. And I don't think they ever come back together until like the happy ending when they're all working mm. together again. So it is kind of like that's Mark Wahlberg's lowest point is when he loses John C. Riley. I think that's kind of the ultimate low point, isn't it? Yeah. Also, like, does John C. Riley just not age? <laughs> I mean, he's one well, of those people he's... who's always looked about mid fifties. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He is significantly yeah. thinner here though. I mean his head is massive compared to his body. I think he's had to <laughs> grow his body to match the head. <laughs> I was thinking that because the last thing I saw him in was uh, Stan and Ollie, so he's playing Oliver <laughs> yeah. Hardy there, so it was quite weird watching him in some of these poolside scenes. Uh my favourite as well, Philip Seymour Hoffman pops up. Mm. Obviously a, a yes. big, yes. big favourite yes. of Paul Thomas Anderson. Uh, if John T. Riley and Philip Seymour Hoffman was in Paul Thomas Anderson's first film. But again, in Boogie Nights, he's another character with a story who, like, he's obviously um, gay and I, you know, late 70s, that may or may not go down well. He's on the set of all these straight porn films every day and he's clearly got a crush on Marky Mark. And there is a point where he come, where he tries to kiss him Mm -hmm. and Marky Mark sort of. It, well, he handles it quite well, I think, for a, yeah, a, a character in the late 1970s. Just kind of like, uh, no, no, you know, um, that's not for me. Uh, but just that's fine. Uh, you do you. He handles it. He handles it a lot better than I think the real Marky Mark would. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's not like well, the real Marky Mark did probably. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. You know. I think Mark Mark Wahlberg was an underwear model. I think he's probably been propositioned by. Older men, many times. Mm. <laughs> he probably got used it's, to it. Yeah. Um, you know, it's a very sexually liberal lifestyle they're living with lots of sexually liberated people. I, I can imagine that homosexuality was quite uh, tolerated even in the 70s amongst those guys, particularly as Marky Mark himself has been doing stuff for money before yeah know, with, our introduction to his character is, is like i'll let you watch me have a wank for ten dollars 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know true. how much that was in 1977. I don't know what you could get for $10 in 1977, but mm. seems like a low rate. You reckon? What, to let someone watch you have a wank? <laughs> to completion. You can only do that so many times. 70, I mean, what's that? That's about 20, 40, that's like a hundred hundred dollars today money. Is it? Today money. <laughs> That's a hell is that inflation that much? <laughs> I'm gonna look it up. I didn't think there was much of a uh yeah, that to say it's five to look at it, ten to watch him um jack off. That seems like that should be more perhaps, like twenty dollars for that, because that requires far more effort than just getting it out of his pants. What if I wank it off? Is that cheaper because I'm doing the work? <laughs> But did he say he'd do it to completion, or... Mm. He does, because... Yeah, he does, because that's what Burt Reynolds is impressed with. He says, like, how many times have you done that already tonight? It's twice, and he's like, could you do it again? Oh, yeah, yeah. there you go. There you go, Mm. yeah, because he's like, I'll go again. So that's why he doesn't care. That's his magic power. That is a great bit in the film as well, after he's finished um, having sex with Julianne Moore's character, and then they're like, okay, well, take some time, and then we can go for take two later, and he's like, oh no, we can go right now. (laughs) Yeah, it is great. Not natural, is it? I've seen it done. (laughs) (laughs) What would you say is too long for sex? I would say over... If If it was over 20 minutes, it would be... Oh, hmm. This is going on for for a while, uh, and then if it was over half an hour, it might get boring. <laughs> yeah, see, see, I I'm, I I struggle with this because I mine always lasts too long. Uh, I'm not saying that in like a show off way. I'm I'm saying it in like a, a you know, if I can if I can get it done in under twenty minutes, it's usually like oh wow, that was fantastic. Hmm. But usually, what ends up happening is I get to about thirty minutes, and then it's like I'm getting tired now, and then you just start hmm. to lose interest in it, and then it becomes harder to actually complete because you're like, oh, this has become a chore now, and then hmm. and it sort of undoes all the goodwill earned from the first twenty minutes where it was really good. Yeah, um, see, I think but... I get to that point immediately where I just like, oh, I can't bother. <laughs> 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 just... yeah. That's my problem. <laughs> Just to round off uh, some of the supporting characters, uh, there's a couple of guys who I really like, Philip Baker Hall and Robert Ridgely, who are two other sort yeah. of porn barons, and I could watch a whole film of those two and Burt Reynolds. I, I, <laughs> I love these guys in the smart suits and everything, and Philip Baker Hall just arrives at a party with, like, four, like, young people, and they look kind of beaten up or, like, homeless or something. I, I don't know what's mm. going on there, but it just plays, like, he just picked these up off a street or something, and he's like, I'm gonna make them stars and all this, and Robert Ridgely has some, like, young thing on his arm most of the scenes that he's in, and one of the girls, it's one of the first indications in the film of, like, oh, maybe this life isn't all glam and um, yeah. and fun times when she ODs that was on the, coke. Uh, that was the porn actress I recognised <laughs> as well. Oh, really? Oh, is, really? Actual... is that a real person? Oh, yeah, oh I thought she looked so she? peculiar. She looked like one of that's, those hairless cats, but as a <laughs> I say, no, no wonder Alan likes that one, and I like the old woman. <laughs> How many of these people were actual porn stars? Because I'm, I know three of them. them. Yeah, quite a lot. I'll tell you one who was a less obvious one. When Julianne Moore goes to her custody hearing, and there's a judge there, uh, the woman playing the judge is an old porn star, and apparently the storyline there was based on her, like her getting her mm. custody battle for her kids. Oh, uh, is that Veronica Hart? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. 
there is uh, apparently Ron Jeremy was in a whole scene in the prison that got cut. Um, oh, really? Oh, interesting. But he also helped Paul Thomas Anderson do research and stuff, and like when he was mm-hmm. learning about the porn game. What about Mark Wahlberg? Then this is the film that convinced him he was an actor and convinced uh, him. Yeah, and he's made good use of that. Uh, you know, this is definitely the film that established him um, as, mm. a, as a legitimate actor. You know, I've got to say, sort of begrudgingly, I do like Mark Wahlberg. I don't want to. And I don't think he's an amazing actor. I think he, he has a particular thing that he does well, and that is a kind of simpleton, but, <laughs> but kind of charming. <laughs> well, he, uh, he does naive very well and wide-eyed sort of yeah, boyishness. Yeah, yeah. And I, I think it is, I think you're on it right there. Like, I think he's fantastic in this film, but the role is just perfect for him. It's, yeah. it's just play, he's playing exactly to type. It's, it's weird, isn't it? Cause there's, there's a hair's breadth between what he's doing here and what John C. Riley does in almost everything he's in, and and yet there's also like an absolute chasm between them in terms of <laughs> what they're doing at the same time, and it's it's hard to put my finger on. But yeah, I mean, I I, I agree. This is, I'd say, this is by far and away Marky Mark's best performance that I've seen. Mm. Um, and you know, bear in mind, I have seen the happening. <laughs> and, yeah, he, he he's good at it. He's not he's good in the sort of sense that he's not good, but there's charm and charisma that carries you through it. But then that's kind of how you imagine that character would be. <laughs> so it plays as realistic anyway. It, it's it's a weird mix of of things, but it, yeah, it, it works and he's good. Yeah, I think it works perfectly. But I think that's what I mean. I don't think I think Mark Wahlberg's done enough to prove that it's not just a fluke. I think he does know what he's doing. I don't know if he's got a wide range, but you know, he turned his hand to comedy very well. He's, he's he did that very easily, and you know, he's been plowing his trade. And, well, you know, every he does loads of comedies now. But you know, Ted was probably the most central co- comedy one. Um, you know, him being sort of up front and center. Um, well, I... but he does all that stuff about being a dad or having a dad, whatever that is. Mel Gibson's his dad, or Will Ferrell's his brother-in-law, or something. I'm not disputing that he's been in comedies. <laughs> it's, it's whether or not he can do it. No, I think he does. Uh, well. Have you seen Pain and Gain? It's hilarious. No. <laughs> Uh, and you know he's sort of been an action star as well. He's not quite as good at that, but handles it all right, doesn't he? Mm. Okay. <laughs> yeah, mm. I've never liked him in anything else. Well, this is what I mean. I sort of reluctantly like him. I don't, I don't really want to. Actually, I guess he was fine in Ted. If if he if he's sort of like in a suitable role, then that's fine, I suppose. Uh... But even then, I, I don't think he's funny in Ted. I think he's just there for yeah. Seth MacFarlane's CGI antics to bounce off of, isn't he? He's not. Yeah, yeah. But here he is really great. Like, there's that whole scene where he's down on his look now and he's having to go back to sort of offering guys, like, um, you know, to watch him jerk off for $10 or whatever it is. And he plays that really well where he just looks completely humiliated by the experience and just so beaten down and tired. Uh, I think he's really good there. Yeah. I, that's another interesting thing that 
you don't he, he doesn't go gay for pay he's not a male prostitute he'll let people watch him and sort of show off his cock and all that there is a mm. sort of line that he does not cross even when he's desperate which yeah. Yeah. interestingly is not true of the person he's based on obviously and it's also not true of the character of Dirk Diggler that existed before this um, mm. which I watched earlier as well. Um, so I don't know if you know about this specifically, but Paul Thomas no. Anderson made a, a mockumentary called The Dirk ah, Diggler Story. Yeah, I, I think I've seen it. I'm not entirely I, sure I how it. or it's, where or why, oh, but I'm YouTube. pretty sure I've seen it. It's not, it's not that hard to find. I mean, frankly, the, the guy made it, Paul Thomas Anderson made it when he was 17. And, and with that in mind, it is very good. Uh, mm. It is mockumentary style so it's kind of simple and it's mostly in like this one room where they're shooting a porno and the guy who plays the colonel in Boogie Nights is playing the Burt Reynolds character Jack Horner. Oh really? Robert so, Ridgely? Oh, yeah it was a friend a friend of Paul Thomas Anderson's dad who was huh. sort of in the industry. You know he grew up in LA and all that as you know, yeah. people know. Uh, which is why he ended up in this film of course. And the guy who's playing Dirk Diggler is also in Boogie Nights. He is right in the opening, one of the early scenes when Don Cheadle is trying to sell a stereo to someone and the guy's just like, uh, yeah, I'm oh. not interested. That's the guy. He's a little cameo for for his old mate, I guess. Oh, interesting. That's, I love that scene as well. Again, utterly irrelevant. Well, it's, it's, it's just that that whole subplot's utterly irrelevant, but yeah, it's just... It's really well acted, and it's probably one of the most successfully funny scenes in the film, I would say. <laughs> like, the, the gag of that scene really plays, I think. Mm. Um, that You know, he's on the cusp of this sale, and then he just starts playing country and western. and Yeah, it's great. It's kind of all mockumentary style, and the interesting thing is that there is the character of Reed Rothschild, the John T. Reilly character... Um, but in the f- in the film, they are lovers. The the two of them, uh, the best friends and lovers. And mm. when he falls out with Jack Horner, and and falls on hard time. Oh, interestingly, he falls out with Jack Horner like in a very similar way to in Boogie Nights, sort of on set. And he's mm. like getting too big of himself, and so they they fall out. And then he goes off and makes an album, uh, and he and he sings, "You got the touch." Oh, really? Like, in the show? That was outstanding bad singing. Like, that was so... You know, it's really difficult to do, like, legitimate bad acting if you're actually, like, not a bad actor. It's, like, very hard to realistically do it. Yeah. I think singing is the same exact thing. If you're not tone deaf, it's really hard to authentically (laughs) sing badly and... I mean, maybe that is just the limit of Marky Mark's ability, and he kind of went for it, no holes barred. <laughs> but it, it, that scene is great. It, it's mm. just so cringily authentic, but mm-hmm. very funny, and yeah, yeah. It's, it, but it's in the in this doc- mockumentary. It's the same, except his his singing voice is perfectly good in this. I don't know if it's actually him singing, but. You know, it's it's a perfectly good song, but there's even the bit where he's telling the guy, "Oh, take the bass off because it's it's interfering with my vocals." <laughs> it, do, it doesn't play quite as much of a joke because his vocals are all right. But the the yeah. in in that film, the idea is that the album does really well, and so he gets more money. But that means he just gets deeper into drugs. 
But anyway, so in that film, when he sort of hits rock bottom and he's desperate for money, he starts doing these low, low pay, uh, gay porn movies with Reed Rothschild. In, in, in hmm. the, I think that's just because that was the actor they had there. So, um, mm. and the and the guy playing Reed Rothschild in that is really gay. I think he, <laughs> I think it's so gay. Um, but yeah, he, he come, he actually, I think the act, I presume the actor was gay and this is a very good acting because he just, he just has that kind of, it comes off him much, much more, um, easily. And mm. he's also a bodybuilder. Like the two of them are really well built. So it, it is, it's an interesting companion piece to Boogie Nights. Uh, and like I say, it, it shows some real talent there. Mm. It's not like, Outstanding, but yeah, considering it was made by a seventeen-year-old, you know, I, I know what student films look like. It's 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 pretty mm-hmm. good, and and you know, obviously he's had that idea bubbling around for a while. Hmm. Um, I was surprised at the lack of sex in Boogie Nights. Like, like, um, in in terms, of, there's there's nudity, there's full frontal nudity, but I was surprised at um, there isn't much fucking really. I I didn't think. Yeah. Well, I think the problem is you can't really. You know, every time you kind of watch them doing a porn film, and it's framed up like a porn film, it's very jarring and noticeable that the porn film, despite having kind of 70s film stock aesthetic, is framed in a way that a porn film would never be framed because you can't see the the dick and balls. (laughs) Mm. Actually, uh... I have to say, I watched some 70s porn earlier because I was like, oh, I'm going to look up John Holmes and see, see what this is all about. And it is pretty shittily filmed, <laughs> so you know, it's yeah. it, the cameras weren't as manoeuvrable as they are these days. But yeah, obviously they go and do close-up shots and stuff. Have you ever mm. seen John Holmes' work? Nope. Nope. Who? Oh, don't you know? I thought I thought this was John Holmes. <laughs> John Holmes uh, was a... <laughs> John Holmes. So the the character of Dirk Diggler is sort of based on John Holmes, who was a porn star in the seventies. And 80s, oh, who was God. famous for having a massive knob, and he also, you know, f- was very famous, fell into drugs, ended up committing crimes, and possibly murdered some people, and uh, then started doing gay porn uh, for, because he needed the money, and then died of AIDS. So it's kind of based on him. That's this oh, I've heard of him, actually, I think, yeah. He's famous for having a big knob. But yeah, he was a massive porn star, so to speak, in the seventies. Uh, so anyway, I looked up looked up a bit of his work. He's got a big knob, but you know, I think I'm jaded by porn. I mean, I've seen some pretty big knobs in my time. Calvin, oh, uh, well, I don't know about Yon Holmes' uh, <laughs> real life one. The one that Mark Wahlberg has in the film looked um, fine. I I think. Uh, you could see why he would have a porn career, but there's bigger. There's bigger. <laughs> well, yeah, but you don't know you don't know how big it gets when it's erect. Oh, that's true, actually. Yeah, yeah, we don't ever see it erect. But that would be an immediate NC seventeen rating, presumably. So that's why we don't have that. Yeah, yeah. A lot of it's also down to performance, though, isn't it? It's it's. Uh... Well, it's what you do with it that counts. Well, yeah, it's like you know, there, there's. There's some porn stars I'm a I'm a big fan of who are you know not not particularly attractive, but it's it's all about the it's all about their performance they turn in and mm. well it's all looks so subjective, but you know 
penis size is a, is a sort of very physical, practical thing. It's not about how it looks, is it? It's about what it does. Well, yeah, but there, there's a there's a limit where you know it kind of it it's not like bigger is better. It's like there's a there's a sweet spot <laughs> that you want to like. If it gets too big, it starts to be a problem. Oh yeah, can't can't pump enough blood around it to get it hard. You're gonna hurt going in. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. a whole thing, isn't it? When it comes to like porn, like for you guys, we've mentioned Ron Jeremy already and um, John Holmes. When these people are in porn, like obviously in gay porn, you are attracted to both people engaging in the act. Whereas straight porn, do you just have to ignore the man in it, or like, how how does it work for you? Does it can can it be off putting if it's a particularly ugly man? Oh god, yeah. I I really yeah. You want like a bland man. Mm. The worst thing is when they cut to a close up of like he's like they're showing him like wanking over someone's face, and then like they apparently for narrative purposes they need to show his face like in orgasm mode. So Ah. so you got to kind of just pause for a second while before it cuts back to taking the jizz. Mm. I mean, it's it's not a problem. You can deal with. The vast majority of men that are going to be in a porn film, it's fine. But occasionally you'll watch something, and it'll be like, like it'll be like an eighty-year-old man, and that's like, oh no, I can't deal with that. That's horrible. Or mm. um, Ron Jeremy is a good example of someone where it's just incredibly like, oh no, I can't can't deal with that. Mm. Or if they've got like a stupid wig on or something, you encounter sometimes anything like distracting is is yeah, I find it very off-putting. But like, when when you're watching like a penis in a vagina, like, and that's just happen. I mean, surely you're only attracted to half of that image. So how does that how does that work? I guess it's you, you're putting yourself in the place of the is the the man like an avatar for you or? Well, when when you watch porn, do you have to be into both the men? Like, or is that not? It helps. But do you not sort of think, oh, I'm gonna check out so-and-so and look up their stuff and the other person's kind of a second thought or <sighs> not really uh i, I suppose it's always stuff... like so-and-so and so-and-so well I, I don't really look up porn stars as such hot twink loses magic card bet it's always <laughs> like specific things like that uh <laughs> I don't know. Well, the more niche you get, the the better results you get, right? Well, I quite agree with that. Yeah, uh, yeah. Just looking at some magic card porn. Is it? <laughs> It'll be out there somewhere. <laughs> Bear is disciplined for spilling mustard on Keeper's new sofa. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but no, I I've never like searched porn statue. That's a lie. I definitely have. Uh, but it's not like my go-to thing. It's just you just go to a porn site and then write what I'm in the mood for. Today. Oh god, I I can't remember the last time I've done that. Oh really? I just go on Google now. You just Google like le- lessen the uh, what's the word? Loosened up a bit, and and you can just type like sex Google video search, and then it all comes popping in. <laughs> you talk about being specific. That seems very vague. Yeah. <laughs> All right, sex Nina Hartley, two thousand nineteen. Never, I would never search for that. <laughs> Nina Hartley, fucker fan, two 
That's a good one, that, because he comes inside and she's sort of like, now, you know how we always end with that shot of a a guy coming on the woman? How are we supposed to get that now? And he's kind of like, oh. <laughs> she, she gets really mad with him. It's great. <laughs> oh, like, there's some porn sites that are just, a lot of them do have more professional stuff, but then a lot of them do just sort of rely on just, God knows where they get them from, if it's revenge porn or whatever, but people just recording themselves on their phones, just having sex, yeah, and then yeah, it'll be like, it, the you last know, sort of yeah, five or six years where phone yeah. cameras have been really excellent. Like everyone oh. can do it, and everyone yeah. does it now. It's just like this is this is the norm. I fucking love it. Like I I much prefer that to <laughs> to professional. The only reason I like professional stuff is when it's like really like hardcore stuff, like four on one uh, gangbangs or see, something I, like. Because you're not going to do that at home. Uh, <laughs> I mean, it doesn't need to be professionally shot, but I I think more often than not, I like a good scenario. You need you oh, need God. like a you need a scenario. No, I want a forty-second video. That's that's yeah. what I want. I, wa- I watch. Uh, I watch about three hundred forty-second videos. <laughs> and, uh, I'm, I'm the same, to be honest. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. See, I I, I get about three thousand tabs open and sort of skip through the videos and and so on. My computer's not fast I, enough I, to handle it. <laughs> you know, I, I'm sure I had a list of my favorite porn scenarios on my phone. <laughs> <laughs> What what do you mean by a scenario then? You want yeah. a plot or you want a setup? What is it like? What? Oh, here we are! I found it. I mean, it's different, isn't it? There, there's a lot of these. These are. Uh, I think my favourite one ever that I've ever found, and I've only seen one of these. It's a shame there's not more of it, but it's it's a great scenario. This <laughs> someone called Penny Pax, who who's oh, very I'm, good. I'm aware did of this. Work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, she she did a film called uh, I believe it's called Sugar Babies. Um, huh. They just coated sugar, them in sugar and then like ants <laughs> all over it. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it's Sugar Babies Part Two or something like that. I don't know, but well, you should look for Part One then. It sounds like Beat Your Street. Basically, the plot is she gets annoyed that she's not got enough money or something, and her friend's got loads of money, and her friend's like, oh, "I've started working as a as a prostitute. You should uh, look into it. I'll give you the number of the gut, the pimp." And she's like, <laughs> "Oh, interesting." And then she she goes and she does it and makes a bit of money. And then her boyfriend finds out, and he's like, what, you slept with a man for money? I'm furious. And she's like, no, it's fine, honestly. And he's like, is it? And then what he does is he takes the money she made, and he hires a prostitute. But what, I, I've ruined the twist. <laughs> he, he he gets the money that she makes, and he says, right, come on then, I love you, we're gonna, we're gonna have some bondage, like Fifty Shades style, come over here. And he ties her up. And puts a blindfold on her and everything. No, actually, I don't think there is a blindfold. He ties her up, and he's like, "There, you, 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 you get out of that." And she's like, "No, I can't." Oh, this is so exciting. And he's like, "All right." And then he goes, "Come on." And then in comes the the prostitute he's hired, the sex worker uh, that he's hired with the money. And he's like, "Right, she's gonna bang me now with the money that you made as revenge." And then Penny Pax is like crying, and all her makeup's going down her face, and she's like, "No, please think about." <laughs> A relationship, and he's like, "Yeah, we're bagging." And then, and you know, the other woman's like, "Yeah, you're just a little whore. This is what you did. This, you did this." And they're like having sex against it. Oh my her. god! It's called it's called um it's called cut queen porn, but uh, that's a very specific uh, 
uh, version of it. So there you go. That's that's the best scenario I've come across. I, d- I don't like porn where people are sort of like <laughs> lo- acting like they are in pain or like they're being forced to do something that they don't want oh, no, to I'm do. No, I'm okay with that. No, but she gets she gets into it halfway through, Calvin. Oh yeah, I know. Yeah, I know. But I prefer to see people sort of like happy or really or just, in pain and really. I don't excited. like it when they're acting it. <laughs> Just want to see it. Depends what mood I they're to, in. Yeah, I, I really like, need to feel. That's why I like the homemade stuff because I really need to feel the genuine yeah. fear. Mm. Well, I, I like when the makeup runs down the face because they're crying. So. <laughs> God, I don't know what that says about me. Uh, <laughs> that's good. Oh, you know what else I like? This isn't a scenario. It's just a thing. But I like when boobs get pressed up against glass, like a like a shower door or something. <laughs> I heard a rumour that um, Hattie Jakes, the <laughs> actress from the Carry On films, um, she yeah, apparently her to come liked, for this conversation. She liked to... Um, <laughs> sorry. She liked to um, go underneath, like, glass tables while... <laughs> While someone did like press their ass cheeks against the top and did shit. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Uh, you say you heard a rumor like this is like you heard this from a friend of a friend. It's in Kenneth know. Williams' diaries. <laughs> <laughs> this is a good one, Alan. You probably like this one. Oh, yeah. Where where there's two women and like one of the women, one of the women like. I don't know, like they drink potion or something and they magically grow a penis and then they have sex with the other woman. <laughs> <laughs> I've never seen that. I do never like a that? woman with a penis. No. Though. I'm a very big fan of that. That occasionally pops up on my searches. Well, this goes back not... to what you were saying, uh, Calvin, about uh, you know a man and a woman. Like I'm, I'm, I'm not particularly attracted to men, but I do like a penis. So a woman with a penis is is top top notch for me. I'm all right with that. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Um. I have a few final things to say about Boogie Nights. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, just a, a couple of scenes, really. Uh, there is a sequence, the sequence where Marky Mark gets beaten up by the homophobes. It's intercut with Burt Reynolds and Heather Graham are going around in. And this is when Burt Reynolds' character has had to make the change from recording on film to on video, and he's not too happy about this. He feels like it's a cheaper, he feels like he's not making art anymore. And they basically do like a, I don't, I don't know what the equivalent is, but in the gay world it's called the bait bus, where you, <laughs> uh, <laughs> you lure uh, a, a supposedly member of the public into the vehicle and have them have sex with the porn star. I'm pretty sure more often than not they are just plants and it's not actually just some random person being picked up off the street yeah, yeah. but here oh is- yeah I, I i've I, i've seen some bait bus and it's always someone who's sort of like they're always like look you gotta have sex with this woman they're like oh really no way i'd love to have sex with that woman oh my yeah. god your hair is amazing oh my <laughs> god it's, yeah. it's like yeah, i'm not sure this is <laughs> yeah but they're, they're doing something like that except whoever they get in is gets have sex with Heather Graham, and it's a guy who uh, bullied her, I suppose, when she was at school, and it's sort of a bit of a low point moment for her, as well as Burt Reynolds, but that the, the intercutting of those scenes is just fantastic, I think, and there's some great music. It really feels like that's the low point of the film. They pretty much beat up the guy 
and leave him for pretty much dead. Uh, I agree, but again, again with Paul Thomas Anderson, it feels just pretty yeah. on the nose. It's just like, and this is the mm. bit where we cross cut between these two similar themes. <laughs> mm. Get it? Mm. Yeah, and even then, I don't, I don't really know what the like what the point of that is. It's a, it's a nice scene on its own, but it kind of again just feels like it's searching for a plot that yeah. isn't Because Burt Reynolds has no character arc. Like, it's not like he learns anything or changes. He just gets a bit older, and he's out of date with the industry, changes a bit. Yeah. To fit, that's it, really. It's like nothing happens, you know? Yeah, yeah. Just like life. Well, yeah, I think that's the point. Um, yeah. But people do change in life. Especially someone who's, like, 17 and then... You know, becomes very rich and and powerful and loses it all. Like that does change you. Mm. Mm. So just to have him at the end, where he's basically the same, is a bit. The, the, there is um another scene that we haven't really talked about yet, but it's the Alfred Molina scene where Marky Mark and um a couple of mates go to try and uh, they have some fake cocaine and they're trying to extort money out of this guy. I hated that scene more than I can express. I I was just so frustrated and angry by the end of it. It's if there's something that I really hate in films, it's someone who's like just coked off their tits, just like rambling on for ages, and it's just a lot of shouting and music. And there's some guy there with some like firecrackers or something, whatever it is that he's <laughs> just throwing on the ground, and they're banging, and it's uh it it just irritated me so much. <laughs> well, I I really like that scene, but I feel like it has no place within this film. And mm. the point that it arrives, it's quite trying because you can tell it has no place within the film, and it 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 feels like a different film entirely. Again, mm. it feels like part of the the sort of Quentin Tarantino movie that I mentioned before. That mm. would, you know, it should have been about Don Cheadle running off with a load of money, and then he ends up doing some drug scam or whatever. It just mm. Yeah, but the scene itself I actually really enjoy. But then I'm, yeah, I'm a fan of Alfred Molina, all coked up. So, <laughs> I mean that that scene is a is a also kind of a reference to John Holmes and and what happened with the Wonderland murders. Which, oh, um, right. For, for anyone who doesn't know, know this, basically John Holmes when he you know became a drug addict and he was sort of like desperate for money and all that he. He basically held, he, he told some people like, oh, this guy over there has got shitloads of money or cocaine or whatever. He's in his house. They go and rob them. Mm. Uh, and then this guy finds John Holmes is like, I know you're the one who told them. Uh, so I'm going to kill you unless you, uh, I've got my boys here, my heavies. Uh, you take them to where these guys are holed up uh, and, and then we'll kill them. So he took them mm. there. They killed these four people. And then John Holmes was implicated in the murder, and he was uh, tried for it and acquitted of uh, murder or conspiracy to murder or anything like that. But he was—he did spend some time in jail and all this. But yeah, he was—it seemed like he was involved in these murders. So it's—it's it's definitely a mm. nod to that. It's kind of a reference to all that, you know, the kind of that low point. Hmm. It's weird. It's weird whenever you see Alfred Molina as a young man, isn't it? Because. Also, when he's not being like really British. <laughs> mm. How do you feel about Don Cheadle in general as an actor? Just out of curiosity. Oh, I like him a lot. I kind of like him. I've never quite been convinced. He's never like yeah. wowed me as an actor. It's not bad, but you know what I mean. I every time he pops up in something, I find him quite 
jarring in a weird way. Like, he really takes me out of whatever I'm watching. And that's not to say I dislike him, but it's almost like he never really gels with the world that he's in. Uh, the one exception, I suppose, being Hotel Rwanda, where he is fantastic. Hmm. Do you want to wrap up our Boogie Nights discussion? Shall we rate it? Yeah. All right, I'll I'll go. I think we've we've talked a lot about there is a lot of stuff that we like, like and it it, it scenes exist in as individual, like really nice, well acted, well written. They feel natural. It's really nicely shot. All this kind of stuff, but it there is no cohesion to this. And I suppose the mission statement was just to make a slice of life. Uh, kind of narrative mm. um but that just doesn't work for me for a two and a half hour long film it just ends and i was frustrated and annoyed and that took away from a lot of the stuff that i was actually enjoying uh oof. i'm gonna give it a five Ooh. see i i um i'm gonna give it an eight because i eight? i really and en- i really enjoy it a lot mm. but i think you know all, all the negatives I've been saying. This this could very well have been a ten out of ten for me had they had a story like locked it down and edited it a bit better and yeah, mm. just given it a firm narrative. So it's it's you know it's quite a generous eight, but I do find I do find it incredibly watchable. I love all the individual scenes. I think it works very nicely as a, a sort of slice of life. So I suppose my my negativity is really just a a uh, an expression of frustration at what it could have been. Mm. But I mean, I do love it. I, it's my favorite Paul Thomas Anderson film by a mile, as I as I say. Mm. Although I don't I don't think it's his best film. If I try and be objective about it, it's definitely the one that <laughs> I don't think I own any others on DVD, and I don't think I'll be buying any others on DVD. Put it that way. Mm. I mean, I basically agree with Saul. I, mean, I also gave it an eight. Um, mm. oh, concur wow. with most of what you said there. I I do think that it felt, and I I'm saying this aware that Paul Thomas Anderson was like 27 when this film was made. He was probably 25 or something when he wrote it. It feels immature in that in a kind of emotional sense. It feels like there's not a lot of depth there because it's written by yeah. someone who hasn't got a great deal of life experience and, and relationship experience. And what is it like to be a mm. father figure? You know, all that sort of stuff. And I, I, I feel that's slightly condescending, but, um, and it may just be a wrong assumption, but I, I think that might be why. And like, I speak mm. as someone yeah. who hasn't got a great deal more <laughs> experience. You know? Well, I, I don't know if it feels immature so much as just very surface level and superficial. I, I don't know if, Immature is quite the word I'd use. But I think I mean that in a sense of that he hasn't had the experience, basically. I think that's what I mean yeah, by that. Yeah, yeah. Like, not immature for his age, but immature as a yeah. filmmaker. And, and, you know, he wasn't yeah. new as a filmmaker. But in terms of filmmaking, there's so much there to enjoy, uh, visually and, and the acting and stuff. And I think, narr- not narratively, but in terms of what the content is, um, it sort of has this feeling that it's deeper than it is. And I think that is a trap for like a twenty-year-old film students that they go, "Oh yeah, this is amazing." Yeah. You know, I I I think mature uh, Paul Thomas Anderson is Phantom Thread. Well, yeah, I'm not saying and that's better. I would. I was going <laughs> to say I would take this in a heartbeat oh, over yes. that, but 
I, you know, I, as much as I think Phantom Thread is an immaculately well-crafted film and does what it's trying to do almost perfectly, it's just not something that appeals to me at all in the same in the same way. Uh, but yeah, Alan. Yes. How old were you when you lost your virginity? Oh, uh, good question. Actually, um, I think I was seven. It was the summer I turned seventeen. My birthday is in June, yeah. so I think it would have been after that. Because I think it was like school holiday sort of time, probably July. Um, so yeah, seventeen. I thought you'd have a more interesting answer, to be honest. That's very sending. Not really. Twelve to the janitor. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, it was with with a girlfriend who we were, we kind of we were both on the same level. We were, took yeah. our time. It was all very nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I wonder if it's usually that uninteresting. I mean, that's the same exact. Story for me, Kevin. I was just 16 um, with someone who I was seeing from when we were 15. Oh, yeah. Same sort of thing. But we waited. Why? Is is that because you were scared the police would get you? Uh, you, Well, that was a a factor, actually. Yeah. Yeah. Really? Do you actually think that that would be an issue? I was, uh, yeah. Were you slightly naive? Yeah, very, yeah. Alan, Alan, who are you talking to? Come on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I I was very, uh, yeah, a lot of things that I didn't realise about sex, which I think goes to some length to prove the poor quality of sex education that I received <laughs> at my school. I hope it's come along a long way better. Well, what, what, what were you wrong about? Apart from the gender. <laughs> I thought that if you just had unprotected sex with anyone, you would get AIDS. <laughs> That's uh, probably what they told you, though. I mean, that is kind of... Yeah. Just don't do it. This all. would have been, like, early 2000s, wouldn't it? Having a sex uh, Mid-2000s, yeah. yeah. It's, a bit, it's a bit late for AIDS panic. Yeah. I don't think we got told about AIDS full stop in sex ed. Really? I, I remember, I mean, we had, I remember my sex education at, at primary school more than the one at high school. Hmm. I think high school was just a lot more biology class type stuff, whereas primary school was the one where they, you know, showed a video of someone getting puberty and the voice went, hello, and then we all <laughs> laughed, and then they took the boys and the girls in different rooms, and, yeah. and, uh, and then they said, they said to the boys, any questions, and one of the boys kind of looked around and went, well, how how does the sperm actually get to the egg then? And then the the nurse who'd come in to talk about it because it wasn't our teacher was like, "Look, we we discussed this with your parents and we decided we're not actually going to tell you that bit." And it was like, "Well, what's the fucking what? point of mission?" <laughs> I mean, everyone everyone already knew, or actually, I I thought I knew, but it turned out I didn't because I I I just thought anal sex was like all sex until I was probably in like yeah. Well, shortly after this, I think we were talking about it in the playground, and this guy was like... That's yeah, that's very much my good. attitude now, actually. <laughs> <laughs> really what I've gone to. But this this guy was like, you put your, your penis in the vagina, don't you? And I was like, oh, yeah, that would make sense. <laughs> How are we? But, you know, when, when you go to the zoo and you see lions doing it, you just assume they're ramming it up the butt. Do you? Hmm. Well, yeah, I mean, you don't you don't really think about vaginas, do you? You don't, you don't have one of your own to look at, and Doggy style, it looks like it's going up the bum. <laughs> and sometimes it is, you know, some animals have a cloaca and that is what they're doing. 
Yeah, the the only the only thing I remember from any sort of secular educational thing was our chemistry teacher got a condom, inflated it with water, so it was like a giant water balloon, and then rubbed like Vaseline on it <laughs> because <laughs> it, petroleum jelly, like anything oil based, will dis- destroy it. the uh, latex, and so it, it exploded and the water all fell out. And he was like saying, Did "So really? when you when you're lubing up, lads, don't use Vaseline. Use That's quite a good water based uh, lubricant." That's a good demonstration, actually. Never heard that. Yeah. We um we had uh, Mr. Nunn and Mr. Kovalenko took all of us boys into a classroom, and we had to um we didn't ha- no one they, they didn't want us to put our hands up and ask questions. They asked us to write things down and put them into a hat, which they proceeded to then um answer. Was but this, there was a lot was of this heavy high school or at uh, high school? Yeah. Because I remember, I remember a kid got thrown out of our primary school one because he kept asking silly questions and being like, mm. yeah, my dad says sex is nice. <laughs> and then they were like, all right, out. Oh, yeah, there, there was a lot of, like, they would pull a question out of a hat, look at it, and then sort of tut and put it aside and then pick out another one and scrunch that That's up. That's what we do with our aside. Q&A episodes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then the only question I can remember that someone had written down was <laughs> what colour is cum supposed to be? And then <laughs> these two men sort of like, one of them answered sort of like, well, it's clear. And then the other one was like, well, no, it, it's sort of milky, uh, isn't it? And then they sort of had this little discussion between <laughs> themselves about the colour of cum. The f- and then sort of came the to the conclusion. Who the fuck is producing that, clear cum? Well, yeah, well, well, it's a spectrum, you know. It's a yeah. There's all the shades of clear white. <laughs> it's it's yeah. It's everywhere from pure white to kind of weak icing sugar, but it's mm. never like clear, is it? <laughs> Perhaps uh, if you've had a vasectomy, I don't know. I'm not actually sure about that. Not a clue. What, but... Which bit is producing the clear, and which bit is the clouding it up? Uh, so long as it isn't red, I think that's the important thing. Or well, green, so not, yeah, yellow. And... Not particularly good. Mm. Well, yeah, but that's probably just because you've eaten too much carrots or drunk too much Sunny Delight. <laughs> it probably tastes delicious if you do that. Calvin, uh, uh, this is a bit of a cliched question to ask a gay person, but uh, I guess you you weren't sure at that age. <laughs> I guess you were confused. But right. were you like in sex ed class and they're like, oh yeah, the penis goes in the vagina and you're like, going, nah, that's not for me. Uh, or, we, or was it all like you didn't know what was going on? And... Well, I don't think any straight people are there like, ooh, nice. Yeah, <laughs> I want to do that. You're looking at this like horrible Lovecraftian <laughs> human anatomy <laughs> diagram of the penis. I'm not, say, I'm not necessarily vagina. saying turned on by it or anything, but I think when you're 13, anything will trigger it. <laughs> but I mean... But, I, mean I, I, I think I looked at that and I was like, ugh. I think I was a bit like, really? I've got to do that? And there might be blood coming out of it, depending on what time of month it is? Oh, I don't know about all this. I think I just wanted... I I think I was kind of like, can't I just do it, put it in the boobs? Do that. That's kind of my attitude when I was that age. And still is now. (laughs) Oh, yeah. You know, if they're big enough. I remember uh, we did have a sexual health nurse come in to sort of like talk to us about it. it wasn't sex education necessarily, but this, yeah, this was the if you have sex with anything, you get AIDS sort of talk. And one of the boys did sort of say, um, oh, what about bum sex? And her response to that was, uh, well, sex isn't really intended for that area. Uh, so <laughs> spent the yeah, rest but of my life saying that in the sense of 
and that's why it can do more damage and it's more you're more easily infected because it's sort of no she just sort of left it at like no it's not for there so don't do it well that's bizarre because i mean you are more likely to pass on an infection with anal sex Mm. also Uh, it feels a lot better (laughs) depends what mood you're in I mean, the problem is the problem is you 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 are going to have a dick that smells of shit, probably. In my <laughs> so certainly, I mean, that... may, I don't know. Maybe 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 men have it down, but certainly when you're dealing with women who don't do that every day, it's it, it's I don't know. Well, they either need to douche or get more fiber in the diet, one or the other. I'll just wash. Can you douche? Can you douche your ass? Yeah, of course you can. Oh, I don't know. Oh, that's. Mm. That's it's all right. Uh, I I I saw. Um, I was watching a documentary passively that was on TV in the background last night, and uh, the guy in it had an incredibly hairy ass, and I just thought, like, oh god, I hope mine doesn't look like that. <laughs> Can you not tell? Well, I can't, I can't see what my ass looks like in the mirror. Oh yeah, I don't think I'm that hairy on my ass. <laughs> How much would someone need to donate to the Patreon page to get a picture of your penis? <laughs> uh, they need to go to my OnlyFans account for that. Uh... Uh, but yeah, speaking of that, oh, ding dong. <laughs> oh, hello. Hello, Ladge. Oh, speaking of massive cocks. Hey, oh. hey, not all that. <laughs> I'll, I'll have you knew. I've been there. Have you <laughs> I've been shagging ladies, lashes since uh, before you were, when you were just a little spermatozoa. Mm. That's true, actually. I mean, that is Sper- true. Spermatozoa. In fact, you're probably already too old to get it up by the time we were born. <laughs> yeah, I mean, probably. I, I, <laughs> I, I'm just here with a couple of new Patreons to uh, oh. rattle off. We, we've not done this in a while. Uh, they've been waiting a while, these guys. They, they uh I think you keep forgetting to have me on, guys. <laughs> yeah, we we got we those flights from the Caribbean aren't cheap, are they? <laughs> uh, we got we got a Mandy Carter, a what? A woman, <laughs> a woman. <laughs> Mandy Carter, Mandy Carter. That's uh, maybe it's like Mandy Patinkin. Maybe it's a man. Uh, hey, the co- clues in the name, Mandy Carter. Yeah. Probably not a woman. Seems unlikely. And uh, we've also got a uh, Hunter Jameson. J- Hunter Jameson. Hunter Jameson. I mean, that could be a that could be a lady, a, a lashy or a man as well. Sounds American. Hunt- Hunter. Mm. Who's a hunter? I mean, Hunter S. Thompson's a man, isn't he? As Hunter Jameson. Anyway, thanks both you lads. That's uh, greatly appreciated. Keeping the lights mm, thank on. Thank you very much. Yes. Uh, you, you, I'm hoping you both had your uh, your share voting for this episode, and you've enjoyed what the lads have been spouting about <laughs> cocks and sperm and all that stuff. Can I ask you a question, uh, Japanese Bond? Oh, uh, yes, yes. How old were you when you lost your virginity? Well, I mean, I I was quite an old man before I I was created. You know, I. Uh... <laughs> I, d- I don't know how old uh, Sean Connery was when I guess he first were, put on the wig cr- and everything. You were created pretty much on the wedding day, though, like wasn't it? That's two days before or something? Yeah, or were you yeah. already so, I mean, pretending to be married at that point? I can't remember. Well, it it, it, it a, depends, lads. It was a fake wedding, if, wasn't it? 
Yeah, yeah. So it depends if I count as about three days old then, or if you mm, count all the age true. leading up to it. Mm. Yeah. Right, well, I was three, three, three days old, zero mm. years old, lad. What a stud! Start, start young. <laughs> <laughs> At what point did you separate from the real Sean Connery and exist as something beyond uh, the <laughs> natural world? Uh. I mean, it was shortly afterwards, and it was a very disturbing sequence of events. It was, it was like something out of John Carpenter's The Thing, where we just kind of <laughs> <laughs> split off, screaming in agony. <laughs> and I, I took the uh, kimono, and you know, I went, well, I, I guess that makes me the Japanese one. And he put on a pair of trousers and and ran off, ate a bit of shortbread, and left. <laughs> <laughs> Oh. <laughs> okay. Um, thanks. All right. Well, th- thank you. Thank Have you. Have you got uh, any advice uh, for our listeners? A lot of our listeners are young men, not very good with women. Um, perhaps you could lend them some advice as your stud studly muffins. Oh yes, uh, only with an open hand. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Thanks. <laughs> oh, you're welcome. <laughs> Oh dear. No, he's not got old quite yet, has he? He's still, <laughs> he's still got still it. Still a bit of <laughs> life in the old dog yet. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I mean that that that's uh, turned out sexually charged as hoped. This episode, I think. That's... You know what though? Because like on our previous episodes, it's always been about oh, what Saul been up to in his sexual escapades? Because because he, mm. he was single, but you've been with someone for the last year, so I guess it's all well, off. Has it been not, that long? Not a year. No. Oh. Most of it, though. Most of the year. And Calvin's like... Yeah, about six months, I think. couple, and it's disgusting. So yeah. you're really the only one, Alan. Uh, well, you've been up to all sorts of weird shit, Alan, haven't you? I mean, it, there's still plenty you guys, you know, haven't haven't dug into from before this. But yeah, I mean, Alan, what have you been up to? Yeah, you've been up to some, some really stuff. fucked up stuff. How dare you. Well, you know, I've been uh, experimenting with uh, certain things. Is it some kind of policy that you can't discuss those things on air? Well, his mum does listen. <laughs> My mum listens. Oh, shit, she does, actually, yeah. <laughs> oh, but she doesn't like these episodes. <laughs> yeah, she, <laughs> she, she really takes She wouldn't listen to these episodes, though, yeah. No. no. Have you ever had sex in public, like in front of people? <laughs> Not in front uh... of people. Um, yeah, or, or maybe just in public, but like avoiding people. Well, I guess that's the. I mean, I've I've had sex where someone was watching, but it was like. Yeah, sorry about that. I just the woman. I didn't, <laughs> <laughs> couldn't hear anything. But but I mean, I don't think the woman's like husband counts, does it? That's not what you're talking about. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't uh, know. Yeah, yeah, maybe if that's yeah, it's basically it. I suppose. Right, well, I've done that. I'm not. I've never done it with just like a public audience. Come and check this out. Well, that's one of the things I've done this year. Go on, then. Anecdote. Well, yeah. I went, well, basically, I went to an orgy, and uh, like me and the girl I went with, we we kind of decided beforehand that we weren't because neither of us had done it before. So we thought we won't like join in with other people. We'll just sort of do our own thing. But it's kind of a sex party thing. Yeah. So basically, we ended up having sex, but in front of loads of people. And it was actually very... Um, I quite enjoyed that element of it. Because it was like other people watching. I'm like, you know, I, I was doing a good job. And she was giving a lot of response. 
So it was like it was like showing off. <laughs> yeah, I get that. It, so it wasn't really it's, a sexual it's weird, thrill it? it's really, of being yeah. watched. It was just like, yeah, yeah, I can do this. Look at what I'm doing. Yeah, it's pretty good, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. No, I completely get that. That's exactly what I got out of the situations I was in with like like that person's boyfriend, and it was kind of like I was showing him up a bit, and it was just like, yeah, I think I'm doing this better than you do it, so that's fun. <laughs> She seems to be more into me than you. I mean, maybe that's just because the spark's gone from your relationship to the point that you're bringing in third parties <laughs> to try and recapture something. But, uh, See, that's my yeah. problem. I get to that point in relationships about three months in. The spark has yeah. just gone. <laughs> yeah. What's the most embarrassing thing that's ever happened to you during during sex? Or not not embarrassing, but like the most awkward thing that's happened. You knocking on the door when I'm, like, right in the middle of it. <laughs> and then not that's, going that's away. Pre- <laughs> not just taking the hint. <laughs> well, I probably wanted to borrow that DVD or something. <laughs> I think you actually did. Calvin! <laughs> I need your 3D glasses that you got with Coraline. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty much it. And then eventually, I, th- I think the penny did drop. Because I think at first it was just sort of genuine ignorance. You were just sort of like, I know you're in there. Um, <laughs> and then it was sort of like, could you give a, give me uh, ten minutes? And then you just sort of like <laughs> laughed and was like... <laughs> and, then, and then went away. But then had a look on your face when I, I was hard making eye contact with you the next time. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I was at a, a, a sex party, a different one actually, and um, uh, a girl threw up in the corner. <laughs> <gasps> oh no! As a result of the sex, or well, she'd else. been drinking nerves because you know there was people. Pills. You know, it was like there's like a couple of hours before any sex starts. You know, there's a show, people are drinking, and just tanked a bottle of wine, mm. and so it was like kind of all liquid, but uh, you know, she just drank too much, and then maybe she's being shook about or something. <laughs> Uh, hmm. That's off-putting, though, when you're trying to have sex. <laughs> <laughs> Plus, yeah, that, the trouble with being in an orgy is like the other people. You know, there's some, like, wanker, like, shouting because they're drunk and someone throwing mm. up in the corner. It's, oh, know, it's, God. You, you really need to pick the people <laughs> carefully. Mm. You just let strangers in. It's no good. Mm. Alcohol ruins everything. What about you, Sol? I remember once when we were doing it, I think, and like when I put it in, uh, she went, "Oh my!" And then we both sort of re- we both like immediately registered it as a George Takei voice, like which it obviously was unintentionally, and started laughing, and it sort of killed the mood. But I had that once with a guy who I was going down on on his bum, and then as as I oh, as I. <laughs> As as I started that, um, I was just sort oh, of well. getting going, and then I just heard him say, "I've never experienced this before," and then that was just. I've never seen anything like it. Oh, quite good to be able to bring someone a new experience, though, isn't it? It just killed it, though. It was just like, oh, I don't know if you're saying this is like, oh, isn't it sexy? You're the first person to do this. But uh, it's like, "Mm, no. (laughs) So sex, eh? It's uh, 
Not as easy as it looks sometimes. <laughs> you think it is as easy as it looks? I don't know. What, the basics? Yeah, just stick it in there. Pull it out at the end. <laughs> Even that though. Some sometimes you end up like in a weird, in a weird angle, or uh, I don't know. Well, you know, uh, let's let's put it this way: we have a lot of young male listeners who are probably not as experienced as uh, some sort of uh, seasoned swordsmen as ourselves. Uh, what what's what's the sort of the best one best piece of advice you would give to the younger generation? Oh, I think one of the Q and A questions we got sent in for our Q and A diminisodes was along these lines, like give us some sexual advice. <laughs> oh, really? I don't think it's been read out. I mean, I think it was a joke, but uh, <laughs> it's it's not been read out yet. Hmm. I'm I'm gonna find the uh, the diminisode question now. We're we're gonna answer it as like a preview for our Q and A diminisodes. Patreon.com. Oh, that's good idea. Returns. We'll we'll go out. On a bonus question. <laughs> well, yeah, I'd be curious to know how this is phrased. <laughs> I suppose be kind is a good general one. <laughs> That's the most pathetic thing. <laughs> so sexual. I mean, that, that's the... be kind in sex. <laughs> well, that, that's a similar ballpark to uh, my advice, which uh, I, I, I'm going to be disappointingly sincere with this as well, but I, I will say. I, I find uh, there's no way to say this sincerely that isn't absolutely hilarious for multiple reasons, but um, I think the best way to approach Cunnilingus is... Uh... <laughs> oh, I found the question, I found the question. <laughs> oh. <laughs> to be continued. <laughs> it's actually addressed directly to me, but you can both answer as well. Oh, uh, okay. Oh, so, I've begun seeing a rather ravishing lady, but I'm frightfully inexperienced as a young man, so I'm hoping you can pass along any top sex tips to aid me in this journey. Did you, you seem to be quite the knowledgeable chap yourself? in this domain. <laughs> no, this this uh this was sent in to us from uh, Chris Marshall via Patreon. I, I do <laughs> yeah. think there was a degree of irony about what he was doing. <laughs> okay, well uh my my uh cringily sincere answer is uh, treat treat cunnilingus. You have to think of it as though you're a safe cracker, right? You need to you need to be listening to the body <laughs> and like really paying attention. So each each little movement's gonna have like a knock on effect. Basically, you just need to pay attention to like if they're into it or not. But you'd be amazed at how many people don't do that um, mm-hmm. from from talking to women. Because I never used to think I was anything remarkable until. Uh, my recent becoming single a couple of years back, and then every woman was like mind blown by the the that, and it was sort of like, well, what? And it was like, yeah, but most guys just kind of most guys treat it like a dog eating peanut butter or something, and you're actually <laughs> sort of like trying to get in there and yeah. touch the bits that like it, the amount that they like. So yeah, think of it like safe cracking. You're listening for for reaction and responding accordingly. I would agree with that, definitely with women. Anyway, get if you're good, if you get good at oral sex, because it'll get you a long way. Yeah, because if you're like Alan and you don't want to do anything, you can just do that and be like, right, <laughs> done. I'm gonna have a wank now. But yeah, everyone everyone's different. You have to kind of learn that what what some people like it really uh, that, hard, that, some like it really yeah. soft, and it's like you have to sort of. That's exactly it. it. Yeah, as you see it. That's yeah. what I mean. You you've got to. Yeah, work accordingly. And that's it. Each each person becomes like a puzzle to solve. <laughs> so it's, it's fun. 
yeah, I think my best general advice would be uh, take charge of the situation. <laughs> And be careful. You know, don't the, be a bitch uh, about it. Yeah. <laughs> I was just saying the views of Alan are not necessarily reflective of diminishing returns. But that doesn't mean, you know, force anyone into a thing. But, and obviously, if it's the first time you're yeah. with someone, you do have to be careful and like figure out what's okay and what isn't. But, mm. you know, once you're into it, like have the confidence and it'll, that'll take you a long way, I think. But then, you know, at the same time, it is good to be sure that they, they actually want you to. So. Uh, I, I, I suppose to sort of sum up um, much of uh, today's episode, obviously real life sex isn't like porn. So to people relatively inexperienced, they might think that it is like that and it isn't. That's a, that's uh, a good point, actually. I think. Well, it, we, no, no, no. We I are... mean, it can be like that, but, but what you never think about when you're watching porn is the smell. Oh. Um <laughs> And that's something you really ought to factor in because it, it it can go either way. It can actually be quite off-putting, even if the act itself would appear very nice on camera. So, mm. uh, yeah, always always be aware that there will be a smell. <laughs> you raise a good point there, Calvin. Though I think this this generation below us, certainly just below me, brought up with the internet and the access to pornography that, that brings. I think mm. you do you see pornography sooner and a lot more of it and. Yeah, you need to know pornography is um, generally very aggressive to women. <laughs> uh, mm. Oh, I cannot believe it. it's it's got worse. Like, I mean, maybe it's just not what I. I think this is part of why I don't just go on like Pornhub main page and click at like the top ten most popular things now. Because when you do that, you get like videos of a woman's face being shoved in a toilet and flushed while she's getting fucked. It's like what? Mm. That's not what I want to watch. I, I want to watch. Two people like cheating on each other and <laughs> all the emotional pain. I want the pain to be emotional. I'm not interested in all this physical abuse that's commonplace nowadays. And I think of the stuff I watch as being, you know, quite far down a dark rabbit hole of its own. But you know, I'm I'm a seasoned, experienced porn viewer, and I feel like <laughs> yeah. I can make an informed decision about. That's whatever. it. I like. I do like to watch that sort of stuff, but uh, I do appreciate that it's not reality. Mm. I mean, I'm not I in the right mood. I could, but it's certainly not what I want to just pop up when you're not looking for it. The other, I mean, that's the other thing. You'll just click on the main. You'll you'll like search for something normal, like you know, uh, uh, woman uh, corset. I don't know what what's a normal search. <laughs> you'll search for something completely innocent like that, and then you'll be watching it, and then it'll be like. Oh, I really don't think we should be doing this, brother. Oh, <laughs> don't worry about it, sister. Mum and dad won't be home for it. It's like, what? Why? Why is it incest? And if it's incest porn, quote unquote incest porn, why isn't that flagged up in the title or something? Like that shouldn't just be. But the, but that the weird niche shit has become the mainstream, and that's that's the the worrying thing that we're mm. leading towards. And apparently, there's a huge spike in young men who. Um, are having erectile dysfunction issues because they can't find adequate stimulation in real life. Really? I think. Yeah. That's yeah, terrible. Big, yeah. Yeah, I would say to to any young people out there, yeah, sex is not like it is in porn, and and not just in the sense of oh, you know, if you meet a woman, she won't actually want to do those things or or enjoy them uh, if you want to do them to her, uh, unless you meet a very particular type of woman. But also, doing them is not does not give you the same feeling as you think it will because 
it's usually quite impractical and not as pleasant as it mm. looks. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, the angles are usually really awkward and about getting a good shot and in reality you want to just kind of be like awkwardly flopping on top of each other because that's what feels nicer but yep if you i mean yeah all that like if you don't feel like making a noise don't feel like you have to make a noise like i feel like that's something that really oh my god that's a tip yeah i mean this is a tip for all the women really oh Mm. well uh, (laughs) yeah both (laughs) from my point of view but like one of the most off-putting things is like blatantly put on sex noises yeah Real noises oh are great, because it, it does like, give, give you validation that you're doing either. something right. Yeah, 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 yeah. But, yeah, fake noises are no good. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, but you just get, you just think that, oh, well, that's that's what sex is, because that's just, that's just porn, like, that's just what they do, because they have to, because I suppose just watching two people silently going at it isn't uh, as engaging, perhaps, uh... And and be careful with the dirty talk on that front, because you know you you can fill silence with dirty talk, but j- just like phrases are quite specific, and what does it for one person <laughs> might be really hilarious to another person and quite off-putting. Mm. So just you know, don't. I I would say don't repeat the same phrases over and over again. That's probably your best bet. Like you know, maybe try something, see if it lands, see if you get a response. Mm. Uh, don't don't just fall back on the like. I mean, some of the stuff people come out with, Jesus Christ! Like, gonna gonna milk those balls. <laughs> that's 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 not a turn on. <laughs> Having someone say that. <laughs> is this stuff you've seen in porn, or someone said to you in real life? No, this is stuff I've encountered in my day to day. Really, no one's ever said yeah. that. To me. <laughs> uh, what about this? Right, uh, as sort of a slight antidote to all the sex stuff. What's uh, uh, advice to younger people? What's the secret to a a healthy relationship? Be kind. <laughs> oh, fuck off with you. Be kind. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It's it's Take completely. Charge. That's my. It <laughs> is money. It is <laughs> lots of money. But money does money does actually help. Like I know that, but but it, not not money necessarily, but financial stability. Uh, money is the biggest cause of arguments amongst couples, and it's easy to see why rent payments, bills, um, all that kind of stuff. Um, and it's, what if there it, is large inequity between the two partners, financially yeah. speaking? Yeah, is that yeah, a problem? Yeah, I uh, no, I just yeah, think you need I think, you need to come to a I mutual think that's more of an understanding than, and have yeah, the, yeah, yeah, the, yeah. the balls, really, to talk about it openly, rather than just yeah. be very British about it. Oh, I'm not talking about that. Um, yeah, I agree. Yeah. yeah. I mean that would I would say that about it. yeah that would be my advice just be complete uh, talk about things don't stew on things if something's bothered you mention it uh, mm-hmm. and if that person is not able to talk to you about it it's probably not going to be a healthy relationship <laughs> yeah uh, yeah cuz that's that's you know that's the sort of thing that'll fester away and then it'll manifest in them like cheating on you or mm. stabbing you in your sleep or po- poison poisoning you with arsenic over the course of 2 years <laughs> <laughs> These are some of my favourite episodes for us to record. I think we, yeah, it, it, it's nice. We learn a lot about each other. We have yeah. some laughs. <laughs> yeah. Thank you for listening, and thank you to our Patreon supporters who voted for this film. If you'd like to support the show and get extra content for just $1 a month, go to patreon.com forward slash dimreturns. Next week, we will be back on Bond, and it's going to be a very special episode as we step into the Timothy Dalton era. 
Surely he can't be worse than a 60-year-old Roger Moore. Tune in next week. Bye.